that cross of your son. And Lord, we want to remember what he has done for us. So as it were, Lord, we ask that you take us there even now. continue on tonight we have four scenes that we want to walk you through reminding us of what happened that night Thursday night into Friday morning so on the one hand I want us to feel like we were there and later we'll come to see that we indeed were we'll open up here as Jeremy's going to share with us about the Lord's table and Jesus met in an upper room with his disciples the night before he was betrayed. He washed his disciples' feet. He taught them, and he shared a meal with them. And then we want to take you to the Garden of Gethsemane, as it were, where Jesus was there praying with his disciples. And there he was betrayed and arrested. The disciples wanted to fight with the sword, but that wasn't Jesus' mission. And then we're going to come to the courtyard where Peter was there warming his hands over the fire as Jesus was being illegally tried. And it was there where Peter denies Jesus three times. And then we want to take you here to the cross where our creator was crucified. And to understand what took place as he was led to that mount of Golgotha, the place called the Skull. And so as we journey here, we want you to to get a sense of the weightiness of that moment. Just put yourself in the shoes of the disciples who had hoped that Jesus would be the one to redeem them. He was the one. They put all their eggs in his basket. And that Thursday night unfolded into Friday in a way that they would have never expected. But it was necessary for you and for me. Jeremy, come on up. events that led to the crucifixion of Jesus were led by a determination and it was a determination to murder Jesus the leaders the religious leaders in Jerusalem saw what Jesus did and heard what he proclaimed And what he proclaimed in Jerusalem, in Judea, was that he was God in the flesh. And he showed himself to be God by the way that he healed people, by the way that he forgave people, and by the way he even rose a man by the name of Lazarus Lazarus, from the dead. And this intervened on the conceptions that the leaders had about who Jesus was. And Jesus, obeying the will of the Father, 
laying his life down was his mission. And leading to that, the book of Luke tells us that then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So the events leading to his crucifixion fall in the context of the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of the Passover. And Jesus being a Jew, he celebrated the Passover like every Jew. And the Passover commemorated what God had did in the land of Egypt. Because for 400 years, the people of Israel were enslaved to Egypt. And God, through the voice of Moses, through his leadership, spoke to Pharaoh and told him, let my people go. And he refused. And through his refusal, the Lord determined to, 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 to put his wrath on every firstborn. Every firstborn in Egypt was to be sentenced to death because of Pharaoh's refusal. But in the midst of that, God, he protected his Israelite, his, his Jewish people. What he did was, through the sacrifice of a lamb, he instructed them to put the blood of the lamb over their doorpost. And that when the plague was to hit Egypt, those who had the sign of the lamb, which is the blood of the lamb, he would pass over. And here, Jesus was commemorating that fact that God indeed passed over those who had the sign of the blood of the Lamb. And that led to their deliverance. And here, Jesus, as he begins his road to the cross in the book of Luke, he begins to commemorate that and instill a new Passover. And it says in verse 15 of chapter 22, it says, he said to them, that is his disciples, he said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I will, for I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So here as he's celebrating the Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, he tells them that this is their last Passover celebration until they meet him in heavenly glory. That's what he means when he says, I will not have this until the kingdom of God returns. And in verse 19, he says, and he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Here he takes a piece of unleavened bread and he broke it 
And he said, this, this bread essentially symbolizes what I'm about to do for you, which is to lay my body down on your behalf for the forgiveness of sins. And he says that every time you take this meal, this supper, remember what I did on your behalf. And then he continues on and he says, and likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. So once they finished eating, Jesus took a cup of wine and he said, this cup is poured out for you. And what he's saying there is that the cup symbolized his blood, his blood shed for the rebellion of man against God, for the sins of man. And he says that this is the new covenant, saying this is a new era. This is the new Passover. This is my blood, which covers you for the result of your sin, which is death. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. But then Luke tells us what leads to his moments, to his trial. As they continue to eat, he says, but behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the son of man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another, which of him it could be who was going to do this. So Jesus is here at the table with his disciples. He's sitting, eating of the elements similar to this table. And Luke tells us that he was reclining and to his left was Judas Iscariot, his betrayer. Now, the, the seat of the person to the left of the leader was actually the position or the seat of those of highest honor. And here, as they began to discuss among themselves who would be the one who would betray Jesus, little did they know at that point that it was Judas the one who was sitting in the place of honor Jesus through this supper pointed to the new Passover through the blood through his blood and Judas in this description points out to the fact that you and I are betrayers Rebels against God's perfect design and God's good for our lives. So we too are guilty for putting Jesus on the cross because of our sin.
Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Verse 39. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him and being in an agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground and when he rose from prayer he came to the disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow and he said to them why are you sleeping rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation we find jesus in the garden of gethsemane it's page 882 in your bibles and the pews in front of you Luke chapter 22. And there he left the upper room where he had the Lord's Supper with his disciples. And he goes out to the Mount of Olives, a place he liked to go to oftentimes to pray. And there he began to pray to his heavenly Father. If it be your will, let this cup pass from me. We see later on that Jesus began to sweat as drops of blood. It's a medical condition that happens when you undergo great stress and anxiety and fatigue. Jesus began to sweat drops of blood. And so the question is, why? What was this cup that he said, Father, remove this cup from me? What was Jesus talking about? Well, Jesus knew what he was about to face. He he knew he was going to be betrayed by his friends. He knew he would be abandoned. He knew he would be tortured. He knew he would be crucified. But those weren't the things that brought him his greatest despair and anxiety at that moment. The greatest weight on Jesus' shoulder was the cup 
of the wrath of the Father he would endure on the cross. God is a holy God, and Jesus came with a mission to save you and me. But in order to save us, he had to pay the punishment that we deserved, and he knew that was awaiting him at the cross. So he says, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass. There's another way, let it be. But he trusted his Father, and he said, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus' family had a mission. It is now Friday morning, probably around 1 in the morning. And Jesus is there in the darkness with his friends, praying, awaiting what he knew would come. We have two more readers coming up right now. And they're going to tell us what takes place as Jesus is there praying in the garden of Gethsemane. The first is a group of people that met Jesus while praying there. still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And when he, and when those who were around him saw that, saw what would follow, they said, Lord, should we strike them with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear but Jesus said no more of this and he touched his ear and healed him then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him have you come out as against robbers with swords and clubs when I was with you day after day in the temple you did not lay hands on me but this is your hour and the power of darkness Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. A sword was drawn and cut off the servant's ear. But Jesus made it clear he wasn't there to rescue himself. He was there to rescue us. So he did not need to call upon them to pull swords. In fact, Matthew tells us, Jesus says, I could call 12 legions of angels to come and rescue me if I needed help. A legion was four to 6,000 soldiers in the Roman army. Jesus said, 72,000 angels are at my command. You think I need your help? I didn't come to save myself. I came to save you. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat down among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the light and looking closely at him, said, This man also was with him. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. But Peter said, man, I am not. And after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he too was a Galilean. 
But Peter said, man, I do not know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. hard not to see us when we see Peter. It's hard not to see us denying Jesus. As Jeremy so pointedly said, we are the deniers, the betrayers, the rejectors, the ones who abandon Jesus. You see, what Peter understood then was that sin is a part of our hearts and has played humanity since the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. And at this moment, Jesus looked at Peter across that courtyard, and Peter understood that he had failed his Jesus. Well, as the scriptures tell us at this point, Jesus is led away, and he's, there's an illegal trial that takes place. The rooster crows, so the dawn is coming soon. Jesus had been up all night long. It is now Friday morning, maybe around 5 o'clock a.m., Jesus is there, illegally tried by the chief priests and rulers. What was his charge? Well, he claimed to be God. What else was his charge? He claimed to forgive sins. What else was his charge? He called out their hypocrisy, and they were jealous of him. And because of it, they wanted Jesus dead. And so Jesus went to Pilate according to the rulers, and Pilate, who was a leader in the land, said, hey, this man's innocent. I can't, we can't send him to the death penalty. He's an innocent man. And the people yelled, all the more, we want him dead. Well, then Pilate sends him to the king of the land named Herod, and Herod was glad to meet Jesus finally. He had heard about him. He wanted Jesus to do a magic trick for him. And Jesus didn't play Herod's game, and Herod's like, all right, this guy's innocent. He's a little wacko, but sent him back to Pilate. Pilate gets him back and says, look, guys, I think he's innocent. Herod says he's innocent. Let's just beat the man and let him go. And all the more, the scriptures tell us, the people yelled out, more urgently demanding with loud cries in verse 23 of chapter 23, they said, crucify him. Crucify him. Well, the voice of the people prevailed. And Jesus was led to a cross. He was charged to carry his own cross to the Mount of Golgotha. And he received assistance from a man named Simon of Cyrene. We see in chapter 23, verse 32, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, either because that's how it looked or it was a place of execution, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. As the story unfolds, you get the sense of wondering, God, are you still in control here? God, this is your son? Baby Jesus in a manger? The angel Gabriel declaring his arrival to sit on the, king of da- at the throne of David? The one who did these miracles who never sinned? God, are you still in control now? As your son is nailed to a cross? Well, that's the question 
the people asked Jesus. See, Jesus says in verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. Verse 35, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over, his, over him. It said, this is the king of the Jews. And then one of the criminals, to add insult to injury, who was hanging there, they railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Hear the progression here, family. The rulers, they scoffed at Jesus. They said, If you really are the Christ of God, if you really have divine origin, save yourself. And a soldier saying, if you really are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And a soldier saying, if you really are the Christ, save yourself. And what they're saying is, Jesus, you're no longer in control. You no longer are in control. You saved others, you can't even help yourself. But here's the grand irony, family. Jesus indeed is the Christ of God, the King of the Jews, the Messiah. And family, hear this. There was never a moment in all this time where Jesus was not in control. This was happening according to plan. He said, well, how do you know that? This looks horrible. At the cross, even still, Jesus saying, Father, forgive them. I'm in control, and I can still grant forgiveness. Father, forgive them, even from a cross. And there he can say, Father, grant this one eternal life. See, as the two thieves are there, one on Jesus' right and one on his left, talking to Jesus, one of them's mocking Jesus, the other one calls him out. And in verse 40, the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you're under the same sentence of condemnation? We indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. You see, this criminal understood justice. And he understood that this man right next to him was innocent. He also understood justice, that he himself deserved what he was getting. Family, this drips with image for us. Because if we understand God's justice, we understand that Jesus went to that cross and didn't need to. If we understand God's justice, we understand that we are the criminals at his right and his left. Who that would be our due reward. Jesus is in control, though. Because just as the man, the criminal, is saying these things, he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He's expressing faith in Jesus as the king of the Jews. And Jesus, in complete control, tells this man, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Some of you are here today, and maybe much like this criminal, you've pushed Jesus away for many, many years. Maybe today you're coming to the understanding 
that your sin is ever before you. This is why Jesus died, family. He had to undergo this death. But he was in control. How do we know this? He grants forgiveness. He grants eternal life. But here's this third one here, family. Follow with me, verse 44. It was about the sixth hour, which means it was Friday at noon. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. That's 3 p.m. While the light, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus calling out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus was in control by granting forgiveness, by giving eternal life. And he was in control because he determined when he would take his last breath. This was all according to God's plan. See, Matthew 1.21, when Jesus was yet born, the angel says that he would save his people from their sins. And that meant he had to die on our behalf. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says, I came to serve, not to be served, and give my life as a ransom for many. In John 10, Jesus says, no one takes my life. I lay it down. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. This was according to his plan. Why did Jesus have to die? Because that's the only way he can pay for yours and my sin. Galatians 3.13 tells us, Christ redeemed us from the curse that was on us, the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. He was our substitute. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus became sin. He took your sin. He took my sin on his shoulders. On that cross, he was your substitute. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered for sins once. The righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. He was your and my substitute. Jesus had to go to the cross to pay for our sins. So why is this Friday good? Because it means our redemption. Jesus didn't come to save himself. He came to save you. He came to save you. Tonight, we want you to know that this is the Jesus that we worship. And if you don't know him, we plead with you to understand that it was your sin that nailed him there. It was your failure, your sin, your guilt that put him on that cross. And he gladly went to that cross to purchase you for himself. So we ask, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And the answer is, yes, I was there. It was my denying with Peter's when to him Jesus stared. When they crucified my Lord, yes, I was there. That was my cross on his back that bled. It was me who put that thorny crown upon his head. Blood dripped 
from his brow, coming from his hair. Yes, it was you, and yes, it was me, and yet it was us who was there. Those were my hands driving in those nails. That was my voice with jeering to the king of the Jews, hail. That was my mocking, my scoffing, my railing, my sin, my shame, my guilt, my failing. Yes, I was there. And so were you. But he chose the cross. And he chose death. So that you didn't have to. This is what we call this Friday good. Let's sing together. supper he said to eat of the bread and drink of the cup in remembrance of him and since that day his disciples thereafter those 12 and those disciples that they made thereafter also partook in the Lord's Supper so we too as we remember what Jesus did on our behalf I'm going to take the Lord's Supper this evening. But if you do not know Jesus, if you have not placed your faith in Jesus, we ask that you take this moment to reflect on your standing with God.
reflect on the fact that you too put Jesus on the cross because of your sin, but also reflect on the good news that Jesus died on, the, on behalf of sinners and that you too, if you place your faith in Jesus, can have eternal life. Reflect on that, but we ask you not to take the Lord's Supper at this moment. And if we have children here who don't know who Jesus are, we're going to ask parents not to allow your kids to have the Lord's Supper unless they profess that Jesus is Lord and you are a testament to that. So I'm going to ask the ushers to come up at this moment and they're going to pass out the Lord's Supper. And once you get the elements, I'm going to ask you to hold it. And we're going to take the elements together. And as they're being passed out, why don't you reflect on what Jesus did on your behalf? On the fact that at the cross, we see Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, the exalted one of God, God in the flesh, bearing the wrath of God that we deserved. Reflect on the fact that we see God's perfect justice against sinners intersect with his love for sinners. So church family, reflect on that.
Church family, as we take the Lord's Supper together, I just want to remind us of two things. One, that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. This is a memorial where we remember what Jesus did on our behalf. But also, I want to bring out the fact that the Lord's Supper also nourishes us. This is a moment that God uses to realign our affections to him, to see him as Lord, to remind ourselves that we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus and that he indeed is the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says this, verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body though many are one oh excuse me I'm reading the wrong I apologize excuse me don't don't stop reflecting verse 23 this is what he says about the Lord's Supper for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me take of the bread please supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes church family let's take Father God, we stand before you, Lord, as people who did nothing to deserve your grace upon our lives, Lord. God, we thank you because you showed us mercy, Father, when we rebelled against you with our sin, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for making us righteous positionally Lord 
and you bearing our unrighteousness. Jesus, we thank you for that. And today, Lord, as we just finished taking the Lord's Supper, Father, I just pray that you would align our affections to you. Lord, that we would see you for who you are. That we reflect on what you did on our behalf. And Father, that we would worship you. God, because you forgave us. Lord, I pray that we would worship you with our lives as living sacrifices. God, not because of what we can do for you, but rather, Lord, we offer our lives because of what you did for us on the cross, Lord. So, Father God, as we sing at this moment, Lord, let our lips reflect our gratitude. Let our lips be a reflection of our heart. God, and that our lips may proclaim that you indeed died on our behalf. And we thank you for this time as your church gather. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with us, please?